Hi, this is Christopher Framberg and I'm one of the pastors in SOS Church Stockholm. We are an international Pentecostal church on Kungsholmen with celebrations in both English and Swedish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations that are living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. Assyria, and I'm going to preach on this theme for, for three Sundays. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. That will be the theme now for three Sundays. And I think it will be powerful. I think it will be life-changing. And I believe that God is going to speak to you these Sundays. Can someone get these kids in control? I don't know who's, who's the parents of these kids, but please, you know, make them behave. <laughs> I don't know parents that, that don't take care of the kids. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. My kids. So, my kids. Okay. Uh, so I think we will have three great Sundays. Uh, and that was my wife, by the way, carrying them away. Uh, the short one, not the, not the tall one. That was Elias. The short one was my wife. Uh, and, and, and I wanted to start there with wives or moms or, or, or women. You know, women and men are a little bit different. Huh? You, yeah. Okay, let, let, let me explain. Uh, when, when I was growing up, my, my dad was working on an industry. And very often, you know, he was this hard-working man. Always there taking the bike seven kilometers, you know, in the summer, in the winter. All, you know, all year around he took the bike seven kilometers to the work. He was working, uh, working long days, biking home, coming home. And then we have family dinner. And everyone in the family is coming together for the dinner, sitting there, speaking about the day, having fun. And everyone is interacting except one. After one, two minutes he's fading away into the promise, uh, not the promised land, but the... Uh, nothing box have you heard about the nothing box that some man can sometimes slide away into you know and they they are there but they're not really there they are there but you, you cannot really get contact with them you know it's, it can feel like that with God at times I know he's here but I don't see him I can't you know they are there they are present but they are somewhere else in their mind the nothing box and and then after some minutes my mother my mother will turn and say what do you think about this and, you know, like, he didn't get it at all. He's somewhere else. When, you, when you're getting a little bit older, like I am, I just turned 30 a couple of months ago. I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm getting my third kid soon. And I, I start to feel more and more, you know, I see myself in my dad more and more. And that's kind of, like, scary, like, <laughs> with some things. So sometimes I'm home from work, I'm hanging out with a family, and, and my, my little daughter, I've just been taking the first, you know, she's, she's the one speaking most at home now, and then my wife, and then my son, and then me, so, so it's like, they're speaking, speaking, and after a while I can kind of like notice, you know, almost like you're conscious, but not really conscious, you're sliding off, and you can see that they're speaking, and you can even hear that they're speaking about something, but you, you have no idea what they're speaking about. Is there anyone that have ever been there? It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. But it's forbidden. It's forbidden by law of wives. Okay. So sometimes I notice that I'm sliding away. And then all of a sudden this question comes. So what do you think about this? And you're like, 
um, uh, and you try to like, um, yeah, I think I, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Like, you did it here? No, you know, like, and you have to admit, no, 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 say it again, say it again, say it again. You're saying so many good things. I can't remember all that you're saying. And, 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 and when I'm reading the Bible, I often see the, the strong Jesus, like the masculine Jesus, you know, taking the whip, driving people out of the temple. I'm seeing the Jesus that's or correcting the king, like, oh, tell that fox, you know, like, he's correcting people with a whole hand often. But when you really read the Bible, you see that sometimes Jesus is more almost like, like a wife. Like coming with his, like speaking a little bit in parables. I know that some, some, some girls is like, what, what is he going now? What is he? You know, but he's kind of speaking a little bit in riddles. And, and I have an experience. I, not my wife, but I heard that some wives can sometimes don't say it straight, but they say about something. Like, oh, that is a really nice cafe. Oh, I, I would love to have some coffee soon. You know, like, and what they mean is, can we stop on the cafe? And, and, and as a man, it's not the same thing. It's two different things. Uh, or how do you think that I look? Ah, good. Or do I look good? Yeah, you look good. Uh, but what they want is that you should explain why. You know, th that's what they're asking. Can you please just stop up and explain why I'm looking good? And you should describe it with your own words. Like put words into it. Put some effort into it. I've heard that some wives are like that. When I'm reading the Bible, sometimes Jesus is kind of like that. He's like speaking about something, but he doesn't say it straight. Oh, you know, when the Son of Man comes, he's going to suffer. And he is going to die. The Son of Man. You know, like, and the disciples, you can kind of see how they are sliding away. You know, they're going there and all of a sudden like, food, food someone, food. The Son of Man, will, you know, and they are somewhere else. They don't get it. And, 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 and we're going to such, such a place, okay? Introduction. Are you with me? How will we end up in all, all powers of hell will not conquer it? Just, just follow me. You, you'll see. We, that's where we will end up. Okay, so this is our first scripture now. Uh, Matthew 16 and 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he came there now with his disciples. They, he, he was living in Nazareth, he's from Nazareth, he was moving to Capernaum up in, in north Israel in Galilee. They were now taking a, a two to three days walk up to Caesarea Philippi because Jesus was going to teach him something up here. And if you don't know about Caesarea Philippi, you have missed something in life. <laughs> no, this was the place where the Roman soldiers were going to party, to having some time off when they were off duty. Israel was a small nation and they were occupied there by the Roman Empire. So this is the place where the soldiers go to relax, to worship their idols, to visit prostitutes, to party, okay? So it's kind of like, I, am, I, I know we're from different places, but for, for a young Swede going to Ayanapa, or uh, Rodos, or an island, you know, uh, Mediterranean Sea island somewhere to party. Temptation Island, you know, you're going somewhere. Or going to Vegas. You're going to, to Vegas, and, and you know what happened in Vegas days? You know, that's the place. And when they are coming there now, um, together with the disciples, Jesus starts with his questions. Like this sneaky wife questions. He's, he's saying, um, what do people say about the Son of Man? 
And it's kind of a question that don't all the disciples are interacting with. Like, okay, this son of man, I don't really get it, still get it. Uh, we know that the son of man, it's something from the Old Testament. Okay, so this is a tricky question. They all have read the Old Testament and the old prophets. And prophet Daniel is speaking about someone called the son of man. So those that have done their homework, they really know about this. And the other is like, yeah, 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 yeah. We, you know, they pretend. They do like I'm doing at times, okay. In Daniel, let's read his prophecy about the Son of Man. Daniel said that in, in my vision at night I looked and there before me was someone like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient, ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and surgeon power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and he he will not pass uh, everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom will never be destroyed. So this is a prophecy that many of them have heard about. They know okay, the Son of Man, Messiah, someone is going to come one day to restore the kingdom of Israel. Uh, but now Jesus asked them, who is that? Who, who do people say that he is? And they start, well, you know, it's easy to answer what other people think at times. Well, some people say that he is John the Baptist. Some people say that he is Elijah or others say that he is Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. The disciples are relaxed, you know, they try to get, just give some answers. But now, in the midst of this, Jesus is turning to them. And he's getting personal with them. Because Jesus is always getting personal. He's not really interested about what everyone else thinks about him. But they wonder, what do you think about me? And, and this question that he's asking them is a question that all of us needs to answer in life sooner or later you have to answer this question and I just want to tell you that this question is a life-defining question depending on what you answer this question it will mean eternal life or eternal death in the long run so this is a very important question he's asking them now so what uh, so what do you say uh, but who do you say that I am that is the question to the disciples. And I, I, I can almost see now that it's getting silent. You know, no one really dares to answer because they don't really have the answer. They've been a little bit out here in the nothing box because he's speaking about the Son of Man. Uh, so it's silent. Who should speak first? Because Jesus has been speaking about this many times. We know it. Uh, but we have not really listened. And now they should give their opinion. And after a silent moment... Peter, of course, Peter, the one that is always speaking first, he is the one taking up the word and he is saying this. He, he is saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. What does Messiah mean? That's a good question. Messiah is the same word as Christ. Can you say Christ? Christ. And Christ is not Jesus' last name. You know, Jesus Christ. No. It's, it's not a family name, but it is the title. And it's the Greek version of Messiah. And it means the anointed one. All the Jewish people, they know about Messiah. He is the one that is coming to save us. He is the one that is coming to restore our kingdom. And now Peter is openly declaring, Jesus, 
I mean, people say that the Son of Man or Messiah is John the Baptist. And he lied. But I say, you are the Messiah. He's openly confessing that. What you confess is important. Maybe he had this thought in his heart already. Maybe you have an opinion or a thought about Jesus in your heart. But it's first when you speak it out that something is happening. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I got that phone call from, from my mom telling me that my, my grandpa was very sick. He was, about to, he was probably going to die very soon. And, and I know he was not walking with Jesus. Uh, he being one of those in, in among my, my family that have been furthest away from God, I felt. And it was often ridiculing me when I spoke about missions. Like, so why are you even doing these missions? You know, you don't help anyone. Why are you spending your time on this? It's no difference between Christianity and Islam. You know, it's, why do you do this? And it was often laughing at it. And now I know he's, he's probably dying soon. So I started to, to pray back home. And I was praying, please God, send someone to give him the gospel. Father, please send someone, send an evangelist to him to lead him to salvation. You know, he's living in the other side of the nation. And I know I, I will probably not meet him before he dies. But, some, but then, then I just felt how the Holy Spirit was knocking on my heart. Saying, why don't you call him? Why don't you call him up? And I felt, no, I, I, Father, I pray that you will send an evangelist to him. Really, Father, send someone there. But I, I just felt this in, in here. And after praying a little bit longer and waiting a little bit longer, I come to the conclusion, I have to call. So I was calling him up for the first or second time in my life. I called my grandpa and I spoke with him for a while. And I said, you know, I, I've been seeing many miracles. I've been seeing blind eyes open up and I've seen lame. So I have, I've seen all of this. But the biggest miracle I have ever seen is when someone that don't know God receive his forgiveness receive a new heart and are changed from the inside and out and I said that that God is not far away from you and I explained the gospel that God loves you so much uh, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to take up all our sins and die on a cross in, instead of us and if you are willing to receive this you can be saved today so I want to ask you do you believe in Jesus and he admitted yeah I am always believed in Jesus and I was praying with him over the phone and he was receiving salvation there and then. And he started to visit sometimes the, the, the local Lutheran church that is nearby, you know, walking down over there. And so God did a transformation inside of him. He was so close to God. He'd been believing in God more or less his whole life. But he had to confess it out. When you confess out what you have in here, something happened. Maybe you know deep in here, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe this is the truth. But it's first when you speak it out that something is happening in here. And, he get, and, and, and the power to change your life is getting active in here. He's moving in and he's forgiving you of your sins and you can be set free. And, and, and Peter is here, he's speaking out, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. And this is big words. You are the son of the living God. 
you know like that's a big statement for a Jew to make they believe in one God and Christians believe in one God but they say you are the son of the living you are God we know that you're human but you are also God that is the statement that Peter is making about Jesus it's a big statement it's a big declaration and when he has done it you can almost see like how Jesus is shining up a big smile on his lips and then he's replying something now and he's saying that that blessed are you Simon son of John because my father in heaven has revealed this to you you did not learn this from any human so God has revealed something for Simon that he didn't learn by any human what is a revelation a revelation is when you cover something if I would cover this table here and then I remove remove this covering or, or this fabric or whatever it is and then you see it you know it's been here all the way but all of a sudden you see it and that is how you experience God he's coming in your heart maybe as I'm speaking you feel him dragging you on the inside you feel he's moving in here because he wants to reveal himself for you you don't get saved because logic arguments but you get saved because God is seeking and knocking your heart and revealing himself for you God was revealing something for Simon Peter and Jesus is, is, is getting happy. He's saying this was a revelation. This is something important. Um, but this question is a question that God is asking you. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say he is? Your declaration is life-changing. If you admit that He is your Savior and you're giving your life to Jesus, He will shift everything. He will take away your guilt and shame and you will receive a pure heart. When I was 17 years old, I took the decision. I went down on my knees and I said, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I want to live for you and only you. And it was like something heavy was lifted away from me. A guilt and condemnation was taken away. And I could walk out of that place free, feeling so much joy and peace in here. And that is something that, that you might, might experience today. Okay, that, that was the, the confession now of, 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 of Peter. Then Jesus make a wonderful statement. Jesus is now going to reveal something for the disciples that have been hidden from the beginning of time that, that, that have been unknown for mankind that, that they didn't know about. He's going to reveal something that will be able to stand against all the powers of hell. Something strong. Okay, let's read this. Now I say to you that you are Peter. You are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What a promise. All powers. Can you say all powers? All powers of hell will not be able to conquer it or destroy the church. And then he said, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned them, warned the disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. You know, we are in a war, a constant war. For some of you, this idea feels strange. For some of you, you're very well aware of it. But there is a constant war on this earth between uh, goodness and evil. God and Satan. Darkness 
and light. The kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of heaven. It's a constant war going on. Do you believe in like demons and, yeah, and, and angels? Yes, I believe in it. I believe it's very real and I think it's affecting and binding people and affecting the world that we are living in. There is a war going on in the spiritual realm that is affecting us. How can you explain uh, terrorism? How can you explain the Holocaust? How, you, how can you explain that there is some sicknesses that are tormenting people? How can you ex explain extreme evil? You know, sometimes you hear about evil stuff that is so evil that you think, how can a human man, you know, human come up with an idea like this? But it is not, you know, the origin is from Satan. The origin is from demons that are perverting minds of people. So they do terrible thing. But the opposite is also true. That, that God has a reality and God wants to affect us with his goodness and with his light. So, so we are living here in, in, in a place where there is war. And God are building something. He's building a safe place for us. He is building a place that will never be shaken. And he is building his church. Inside the church there is protection. Uh, Jesus is building his church upon a solid foundation and he says that all powers of hell you know when Satan is coming with all his demons with all his power with everything that he is with all the sicknesses with all the evilness and he's coming against the church it will fall short it will not be able to stand up against the church of the living God because Jesus is building his church so when you step into the church, you're coming into to a safe place. You're coming into a place where there is protection. So my question is this. And, and this is an observation. Some people when they start to struggle, when they struggle in their marriages, they struggle with their sickness, they're struggling with finances, they're struggling with different things. Then they step out of the church. And go away and try to make it on their own. Would you leave a place like that when the enemy is coming? You see the enemy line. You see the army and you're like, no, I, I don't know the enemy. Is, I, I, I will go out, you know, by yourself. No, you're running to a place like that. You're running to find protection. You're running to, find, to the place that Jesus says all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's the place you want to be in a time of trouble. Alright. In this text, Jesus said, you are Peter. Peter means, it comes from the Greek word Petros. And that means little stone or piece of a rock. And he said, that I end up on this rock. That is the word Pietra. They are, they are rel, uh, related. They are very, very similar. Uh, that means rock or gigantic stone. Uh, and up on this, I'm going to build my church. Some people, some churches have confused this. And they think that up on Peter, we're going to build our church. And it will be a Pope that will be the voice of God on earth that will speak out on this. Uh, but that's not what Jesus intended. He was not going to build a church upon a man. He was going to build a church upon the revelation that, that Peter had received. That Jesus is the son of the living God. And he is the Messiah. That is the foundation of the church. Amen. And then Peter 
like us he's a stone a living stone in the church that Jesus is building upon that foundation okay let's make this very clear in um, in first Corinthians Paul is writing and it says like this after all who is Apollos or who is Paul I think we can add and who is Peter we are only sir uh, only God's servants through whom you believed the good news that is what what they are they are servants of God the church is not built upon the foundation of Peter no but Peter are, was part of building foundation but the foundation was Jesus and uh, Paul continued like this in in verse 10 the same chapter he says that because of God's grace to me I have laid a foundation like an expert builder now others are building on it whoever uh, but whoever build on the foundation must be very careful for no one can lay another foundation other than the one who is already uh, we already have Jesus Christ so Jesus is the foundation he's the whole foundation no one else than Jesus is the foundation of the church and when the disciples were teaching this is a text from the early church they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so so they were teaching about Jesus the, the the disciples teaching about Jesus that was the foundation and they were laying that foundation for people to continue to build upon Ephesians 2 and 20 says built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ, uh, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone so Jesus is the cornerstone he is the foundation but the apostles were laying down the foundation okay when when I was a teenager my dad was building a house down in Småland uh, like building really building from scratch you know we started out in the forest cutting down trees taking them home making making can you say planks planks of it and then start to build you know everything from scratch and I remember when we were building this foundation I, I found a picture back home this foundation took so much time I mean we we were working on this for and measuring you know me and my brother hold this measure here okay hold this measure all days measuring 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 and we're like nothing is happening it took so long time and 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 then in the end someone was coming they should control it before we sh should start start to build and and the one controlling he was laughing so much he was like after all my years controlling a day I have never seen anything like it it's on a millimeter it's so precisely I have never seen anything like it he was just laughing and we understood why we've been spending so much time measuring that foundation and um, but the foundation is important and the foundation of the church is Jesus he is the one that we can build our life upon uh, there is a story about the temple of Solomon how how when, when they were building that temple no one was allowed to use hammer or 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 create the stones on on the temple place but it was done far away so they were sending blueprints on all the different stones and they should be numbered and they should be sent to the temple area so they can put it right away on the right place and, and and in the beginning they got the stone that that was not numbered and they th thought okay they've been sending the wrong kind of stone and they were throwing it away a big stone 
Uh, then when I received all the stones, I said that the most important stone were missing. And I was sending it back, asking the one making the stones. And, and they said, no, we were sending it in the beginning. And they, they got back this report. And I said, so they started to look everywhere. And then they found this stone that they have been rejecting and throwing away. And they found this was perfect after the blueprint for the big cornerstone. And they took it back. And so this was a stone missing. And then they could start to build the whole temple. We read in, in, in Acts 4, it's written that if we start uh, in the end of the first sentence there, uh, because he's speaking about the miracle that, that Elias was telling about before, that John and, and Peter performed about the lame man that started to walk. Um, and, it, and they said that it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stand before you healed. Jesus is the stone, uh, the stone you builders rejected, which have become the cornerstone. And salvation is found in no one else, for there is, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the foundation and the cornerstone of the Christian faith. Jesus was rejected by man. They, they didn't accept him. They didn't accept him as Messiah or son of the living God. And many of us have been doing that for a while. But we all have to come to, to, the, uh, you know, to our knees and humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I want to receive you. Jesus, I want to build my life upon you. And we have to, we have to receive that stone that we rejected. Maybe you're here today and, and you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to say that Jesus loves you so much. Jesus is crazy about you. Jesus came to this earth to take up your sins and my sins and everything we were ashamed of. And when he died upon that cross, he, he, in his body our sins were pierced. And he was paying the price for our sins. And he was laid in that grave but rose on the third day and he's alive today. And I'm going to give you the opportunity, if someone is in this room and yet haven't received Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you should not wait one other day. You should not wait anything longer. But today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is a day when you can meet with Jesus and He can wash away your sins and you can get peace with God. Can we stand up together? Jesus is here today and he's building him as he himself a house of living stones and he wants to build with you because when he's building his, his home and his house by human being he's coming with his presence and he's filling this place with his presence right now and if you haven't received him today is your day and I'm going to make a salvation invitation if you want to receive Jesus today, you should stretch up your right, right hand and just wave to me when I'm making my salvation invitation. Just wave clear to me then and you will pray a salvation prayer and get everything right with God. And you can walk out of this place with peace and without guilt and condemnation. So if everyone close their eyes and bow their hands, I'm, I'm counting to three. You have been listening to a podcast from SOS Church Stockholm. If you want to know more about the church or have information about our Bible school and leadership academy, go online to soschurch.se. We hope to see you soon at a celebration here in Stockholm or at one of our daughter's churches in Gothenburg or Malmö. Have a wonderful week.